Welcome back to You Asked For It. This is your first time here. This is a podcast from Pastor Steve Scoggins and Pastor Justin Alexander as we just try to help you think through um, just tough topics in our world, things going on in our culture, uh, things going on in the church. Um, and so these are questions that are melded together between questions that you've sent into us, but then also some that we grabbed from a book um, by a pastor named Richard Buse from, from the past. And so we've, we've just taken these and we've been working through them. And just to also let our audience know, this is now being recorded in front of a live audience on Wednesday night at our church at First Baptist Hendersonville. So it might sound a little different, um, but, but we've enjoyed getting to do this in front of people. Mm-hmm. So the question that we have today is this, how should we react to well-known Christians leaving the faith? Now, many of you have probably seen some of these personalities in the news over what, maybe the last five years, four years? I'm going to give you just a couple of quotes from some of these people before um, we get into some scripture. Um, But let me tell you about a couple of these people. Joshua Harris, um, which I'll talk about a little more in a minute. Uh, Joshua Harris was a pastor, um, and uh, now he lives um, in British Columbia. But this was his statement when he um, deconstructed, I guess you could say. He said, the information that was left out of our announcement is that I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase, phrase is falling away. By all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. Many people tell me that there is a different way to practice faith, and I want to remain open to this, but I'm not there now. Mm. Another guy, not long after well, that. And this particular guy, some of you may have known him from a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye, which was a huge seller. It was mm. a, especially strong among homeschool families, yeah. and, he, and written theology books. Yeah, theology books. I mean, a lot of books. A book on just like combating lust. and stuff. So I remember reading those books when I was like 18 years old and making this huge impact on me. And I remember a couple years ago coming into your office when this came about and just asking this very question to you about, mm-hmm. how, what do I do with this? Someone who had a lot of influence on me when I was 18, 19 years old. Another, another guy, not long after Joshua Harris's announcement, uh, came a Hillsong worship leader named Marty Sampson, and this is what he said on Instagram. He said, I'm genuinely losing my faith, and it doesn't bother me. Like, what, what bothers me now is nothing. I'm so happy now, so at peace with the world, and it's crazy. We have two others, and they're connected with um, John Piper and Bethlehem Church and then Desiring God Ministries. One of them was Paul Maxwell, who was one of the writers for Desiring God Ministries, And he said this in his deconstruction announcement on Instagram. He said, what I really miss is connection with people. What I've discovered is that I'm ready to connect again, and I'm kind of ready not to be angry anymore. I love you guys, and I love all the friendships and support I've built here. And I think it's important to say that I'm just not a Christian anymore, and it feels really good, and I'm really happy. Mm. And maybe one of the the hardest ones to hear is Abraham Piper, John Piper's son, um, he's been through a lot in his life and there's kind of some up and downs, walked away, back, all this. But now he spends his life basically trying to deconstruct faith. Just destroy. Destroy faith. Yeah, trying to get people to walk away from it. And here's, why, here's what's so concerning about it before I read his statement is that on TikTok, where he puts most of his stuff, he has 925,000 followers. Now, that with John Piper, his father, has a million followers. So he has almost the same amount of followers that his dad does. And this is what, um, and this is what he said. Um, he said uh, he's videos and, and different titles of articles, and some of those titles are "Almost Nobody Believes in a Literal Hell" or "Why Life Would Be Pointless If There Was Ultimate Meaning," uh, or um, "The Bible Says Having Kids Isn't a Good Idea," 
<laughs> or <laughs> I thought that was a funny one. Um, a little hard to actually read the Bible, in my opinion, and get away with that. But um, this next one was what, what I replace Christianity with. And then finally, if you still live with evangelical parents, basically, how do I, basically, this is for kids who are still living, who don't believe in Jesus, but still live with evangelical parents. So this is tough. These are pr- all, very all prominent of these people. people had been Christians, professing Christians. Yes. Most of them leaders, and they walked away. Were authors and such, and they walked away. Uh, now, this is something that the Bible said would be true of the last times. And so let me read to you from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, do not be easily upset or troubled by either a prophecy or by a message or by a letter supposedly, supposedly from us alleging that the day of the Lord has come. Now listen, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes. Apostasy is the, is, apostasy is the word for when someone who was once a Christian says, I'm walking away. Hmm. So he, Jesus, the, 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 excuse me, Paul said, the end times will witness a great apostasy. Now, you talked about Josh Harris affecting you. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I think what was so hard about it is not, I didn't only think about myself, but I thought about he pastored a church of thousands. And then, you know, he spoke at the Gospel Coalition Conference. He spoke at all of these things. Um, and just thinking about the fact that this guy walked away from his faith, says he's no longer believed in everything he'd been preaching. Um, and so I began to question for myself, is everything that I've read about him false or um, how many people are going to walk away from God mm. now because yeah. the very person they'd allowed to pour their pour into their life has now says, I don't believe this anymore. So that was hard. On a smaller scale, I experienced this when I was a high school student. There was a student named Robbie Smith. And I'm telling you what, folks, God used this one high school student to bring real revival to Macon, Georgia. Mm. Uh, he turned our high school around. Uh, he was preaching all over the place. And for some reason, he, he adopted me as the person he wanted to pour his life into. So we used to meet once a week to pray together. The first time I was asked to speak, he actually hand-wrote out the sermon that I ended up using. Really? And so I just memorized his sermon and preached it, and people got saved. And, <laughs> and I, he, was, I, he was one of those that you felt like when he walked in the room, the room shook because he was so on fire for God. Uh, he went off to the University of Georgia. And during that day and time, the University of Georgia Campus Crusade was extremely strong. Thousands in it uh, Mm. shook the campus. And he was elected to be the student leader. There was professional staff there, but he was the student leader of Campus Crusade. The summer before he returned to his junior year, uh, we were doing some things together in the summer. And and in one Bible study, he looked at me and said, suppose I were to walk in and say, I no longer believe any of this. What would would that do to you, Scott? I said, come on, Robbie, quit kidding. Mm. He says, no, no. Suppose I were to walk in and say, I no longer believe in this. Would that shake your faith? And, and I stopped and I said, now, Robbie, I didn't put my faith in you. I put my faith in Jesus. Hmm. Yeah. Two weeks after he went back to the University of Georgia, he stood up in his leadership meeting saying, I no longer believe in Jesus. Wow. I called him 20-something years later to thank him for the impact he had on my life. He said, this is embarrassing because I don't believe. Wow. And this is somebody that I, I know his heart. I know he, he loved Jesus. I saw what God did through him, and when he fell, it took down a whole bunch of people in Macon. I heard people say, if it's not real for Robbie, it can't be real for anybody. Wow. Mm. Now, let me go on to a couple more scriptures before we look at some of the issues of this. I think that every one of us need to know that it is a possibility that we could fall away. 
Hebrews has two strong warnings about this. In Hebrews 2, verse 1, it says, For this reason we must pay attention all the more to what we've heard so that we will not drift away. There's a danger that any of us could drift away. I've known people that were on fire for the Lord now that have drifted away. And then Hebrews 3, 13 and 14. Now notice the words. Watch out, brothers and sisters. He's not talking about even. He says, you watch, you're, I'm talking to saved people. Watch out, brothers and sisters, so there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. There's that possibility that our hearts can turn away from the living God. A brother or sister can turn away. Mm. He said, but encourage one another daily while it's still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Yeah, we'll come back to Hebrews 3 in just a minute. But what we want to do now is just talk about some of the the, the, the issues or the, the questions that arise when we see something like this happen, someone prominent like that. And the first question is one that I remember coming in and asking you when, when I found this out about Joshua Harris, and it's this, were they saved in the first place? Maybe you've asked that question before. Were they saved in the first place? Now, here's what we have to admit, every one of us. One, we're not God, right? Yeah. We're not God, and only God knows the heart. So if any of us thinks that we can deduce what, what is true, or that we can, we can figure it out on our own, then I think we're false in that. Now, mm-hmm. in a scripture that a lot of people try to use to, to do this, to say that they were never saved in the first place, is 1 John two nineteen, and, and this is what they say. It says, they went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belong with us. So some people take this and say, That's well, here's proof. Yeah. But the problem with this is, is that, he, the, that John was not speaking right here the to context. atheists. Yeah, the context. Always got to take it in context. Absolutely. The con- the, John was not speaking to atheists, but he was speaking of those who left the true church to be a part of a group of Christians. And I think he's talking about the specific false teachers. Mm, yeah, the, teaching heresy, right? Yeah, yeah these, these false teachers who were walking out from them. And says, so it's not every Christian. No, no, yeah. not, not there. And, and So it's not a statement that's saying that everybody who walked away is actually mm-hmm. lost. It's not there. Mm-hmm. It's saying, hey, these people left us to be a part of heresy. Um, and so and we see these, and I think if we go back to the warnings in Hebrews 2 and 3, um, we see it's helpful for us. Like you said, it's brothers and sisters. It says this, that true Christians need to be careful to watch out for the danger that you mm-hmm. yourself um, could be in you an evil and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And so yeah. we get this warning. They, they went out of us because they were not of us, right? Yeah. So um, that's good. Now, second question is this. If someone walks away, do they lose their salvation? And by the way, in case people don't know this is subscribed, we are Baptists. Yes. So be prepared <laughs> for the answer you're about yeah. to hear. So we would say... No, you can't lose your salvation, right? Once Christ has saved you, you're saved, right? We say John 3.16 every single Sunday at our church, right? Mm -hmm. For whoever believes, right? For whosoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't say believes for a a certain amount of time. It says whoever believes. If you believe, if I could have it for 10 years and lose it, I didn't get everlasting life. Absolutely. So if I put my faith in him, I have everlasting life. Now, I do believe this. I believe that... We take too lightly how a fall like a Joshua Harris that affects others. Mm. He is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Mm. And the way we live now affects what we will experience in heaven. Absolutely. And so I believe it will be a, a, a devastating experience for him at the judgment seat of Christ. So don't take this lightly. But we are saved by faith in what Jesus did. We get a gift, and he keeps his promises. Yes, so what we would say on this is that you can... You, you can never lose your salvation, but 
you could lose some of the treasures that God has stored up for you, right? right? Some of the rewards that you have in heaven Mm -hmm. from this. I mean, Jesus himself says, store up treasure in heaven, right? Live in such a way that is affecting tomorrow. And and, and this is why it's a big deal. This is kind of like if a... um, you know, someone that retires here. They had a great job their entire life, made a ton of money, but then they have no money to live on the rest of their life because they, they sp- spend it all. Yeah, just spend it all. And in that, he's saying it's the same thing, that you can, in some ways, waste away what it is. Even by just walking away, you can waste away, not experience fully the rewards that are waiting for you. You'll still get in, but not the same rewards. Well, here's another question. In fact, as one of our Sunday school classes debated this with the fall of Hillsong preachers. Not, they didn't deny Christ. They just didn't live right. And so they said, should we still sing Hillsong music? Should we still read a book like Joshua Harris's? Because the books were, were books that impacted you. Yeah. So let, let me explain something, folks. I had to deal with this when I was a young man. God's truth is true, no matter who the author of the book was. If they're preaching God's truth, we can still, because we judge by the word of God, not by the life of the person. So truth is truth. And as far as uh, going so far as not singing a song because of the fall of some of the Hillsong folks, some of our hymns were written by people that fell away. Mm. I don't know if y'all know, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein, a man named William Cooper. Also, there was another hymn he wrote, God Moves in Mysterious Ways. He walked away from his faith completely at the end of his life. Mm. So should we not sing a great hymn like that? That hymn's been used by God in many generations. Or come thou fount of every blessing. He walked away, you know, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. He did wander. Wow. So we, we've got to look. We just look for the truth and stick with the truth. I mean, how about this, too? I think you made the statement. If God can speak through a donkey, I think he can speak through someone who even doesn't fully understand their faith. Well, right. So, point. I mean, that's a good, you know, point. I mean, who are we to know? So there you go. Well, let's look now. Why in the world do people who are Christians leave the faith? And, and the Bible gives a few answers. In Luke 8, he talks about that particular soil that was in the rocky ground, and then the thorns came up and squeezed out. And so there's a sense in which a person could fall away because the world crowds out their their love for the Lord. Um, Demas, it says in 2 Timothy 4, left because he loved the world. Brother Andrew did smuggle Bibles into communist countries. A great book is called God's Smuggler. And... um, in later years, there was a family that's a hero of that book. They were a German family that lived near the border where the Soviet Union was, and he would stop by there, and they would uh, give him you know, resources and a place to stay, and even gave him his first Volkswagen to sneak Bibles in. But he said years later he visited them, and there was no love for God left. They had gotten so successful. All they wanted to do was talk about their new furniture, and their new cars. And he said it wasn't long before he heard that they divorced each other. Mm. So there's a danger that we can let the world crowd God out. Uh, Hebrews 3 talks about letting sin crowd out our love for God. He said, exhort one another as long as it's called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now think about this. You mentioned Joshua Harris making this declaration that he's not a Christian. The week before he made that declaration, he announced to the world, I'm divorcing my wife. Mm. So he wrote the book, I Kissed Jesus Goodbye. I mean, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Then he kissed his wife goodbye. And then he kissed Jesus goodbye. I think there might have been a connection. I think that he could not square his choices in his family life Mm. with being a Christian. So sin helped crowd him away. A a third thing 
that I think sometimes takes people's faith away are bad circumstances. Mm. I love C.S. Lewis. I think many of you do love, love him too. He was raised with a godly mother in a home that was a church-going home. He considered himself to be a Christian as a young child, but his mother developed cancer. And this is at the turn of the early part of the 20th century, early part of the 1900s. And in that day and time, the doctor actually came in their home in her bedroom and operated to take the cancer out. Can you imagine this little boy standing outside the bedroom while a surgery like that happens? And she was eaten up. But there was a nurse who was one of those that believed that God's got to answer prayers for healing if we ask him. And she kept telling little C.S. over and over again, now don't you worry, God's going to heal your mama. We've claimed it. We've prayed that God will heal your mama. Mm. He is going to heal your mama. And when his mama died, he walked away and became an atheist for years. It was not until after his college years that he came back to the Lord. But there's one more, and I think you want to say something on this. Yeah, about, you know, I think sometimes what we have is some people walk away because of what they've experienced in church, you know, bad church experiences. Some of you have heard my story before where I was... um, at 16 years old, I decided, my parents are first-generation Christians, and at 16 years old, I decided that this is all ridiculous. At 18, I was going to leave my parents' house. Um, I was done with this whole idea of church and everything. And one of the reasons for that is because I, I just, it, the, the, the hypocrisy and all this that I saw there was just so extreme. I can remember one instance where there was basically four couples that had kids that, were, that we were friends with. They just all basically swapped spouses. And then nothing was ever said about it. They're still like serving and leadership, all this kind of stuff. And I remember as a 16-year-old who was not a believer at the time going, what is going on here? Yeah. Like, this can't be right. Like, you wouldn't accept this in the, in the regular world, whether or not the yeah. church. And so I can see how situations like that right there, yeah. I mean, it almost caused me to not ever come back. And, and that's so. the reason why we've got to keep our faith on Jesus. Hmm. Well, how do we deal with those who've walked away from the faith in, in your circles and in your family even. Yeah, and I think this brings it close to home because there's probably someone in our lives that we can think of or someone that we know who has done this, who has decided they, don't longer, they no longer believe, they've walked away. And so you've asked this question, how in the world do I engage them? I just want to give you a couple of practical things today. First of all, and I know this seems simple, but it's important, keep pointing to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Keep pointing to Jesus. Help them see the love that is everlasting. Help them see the the grace that is deeper than any ocean. Help them see the mercy that is never going to run out. Help them see that in the way that you speak to them, the way that you love them. Give them to realize that that their faith right now, that what we're asking to have faith in, is in a Jesus who never fails. Mm -hmm. He says, I'll never leave you nor nor forsake you. And, 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 you know, let them see the beauty of that. And I think we've got to be careful because sometimes what can happen is, is, we get, we get mad, we get angry, we get disappointed, yeah. and we allow our criticisms maybe to get in the way of the love of Jesus. And that's not how Jesus treated doubters. No, no. Look how tenderly he treated Thomas. Thomas is what you need, I'll give it to you. Absolutely. Uh, how he treated John the Baptist when John the Baptist shamed him. Yeah. Are you the one? Yeah. You know, and, and he bragged on John the Baptist. So mm. I think we've got to deal tenderly with them. And I think even more, and this is one of my incredible passages, but even to pray for them like Jesus prayed for Peter in Luke Luke 22. I mean, this is beautiful right here. He turns around to Peter and he says, Satan wanted to sift you like wheat. And what does he say? But I have prayed that your faith may not fail. Mm -hmm. Man, what's it like if if our prayers for the people that we know that have walked away be that? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm praying that your faith would not fail. Right. You know, because Jesus wants you and he loves you. Mm -hmm. And the last thing that is important is invite them back. 
Yeah. Invite them back. We there's some incredible statistics that Rainer just um, came out. Yeah, yeah, just just recently, and I want to read these to you because they're pretty impressive. It says without a doubt, the American church has a major problem as millions of people leave each year. But we think there's a reason to remain optimistic. The second portion of our research focused on how the church can bring these people back into the local body. What we uncovered were some simple yet ex- exciting factors that could help people return to the church. Listen to this, everyone. First and foremost, a considerable number of the de-churched, meaning that they no longer come, right? they're de-churched, said they're now willing to come back. While many are not actively seeking a church now, a large majority, 62%, is open to the idea of returning to church. Conversely, only a small minority, 28%, of the formerly churched is unlikely to consider returning in the foreseeable future. So these findings should be a huge encouragement to you. The question is, what can we specifically do to see them return? And it's, and it's even more encouraging because 18 to 35-year-old, 60% said, I'll go back to church if somebody just asked me. Absolutely. That's, that's millennials and Gen Zers. Yeah. The ones that we've said we've seen walk away the most are saying this, if someone would just invite me, yeah. then I'd be, I'd be willing to come back. Yeah. I think that just shows us that we have an incredible opportunity with our neighbors and the people in our neighborhoods, those who are maybe afraid to come back because they don't know what church is going to be like. One, that we get to be the first picture of it that they see. But then two, all they're asking for is someone to invite yeah, them. Just, just love them when they get here. Yes. And with that, I, and I think this is good, is when people do respond, and when people do come back, let us not respond in this judgment and criticism mm-hmm. But I think we should even be one to be like the good father who welcomed the prodigal Amen. son home. Amen. Right? Why well, it says while the son was a long way off, the father literally tucked his 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 robe in and then sprinted to his son, yeah. threw his arms around him, Amen. Said, and he came through a party and said, "Hey, look, guys, my son's home." That's what we want to see happen. Amen. Amen. So. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope this has been a helpful thing for you. Um, for Maybe if you have someone in your life who has walked away from the faith, I encourage you to, to, to maybe begin to do this. Try to point them to Jesus. Pray for their faith. Um, pray that God would be able to bring them back in their fold and just show them love. And I think in that, we might see something pretty incredible happen in our generation. And then more than anything, invite them to church. And I think if you invite them to church, we might see our churches begin to fill up instead of empty out. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, We'll be back with you in a couple weeks with another podcast.